Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Welcome to Flipping Dreams Podcast with your host, Heather Renee May. Each week, we bring you interviews and resources that will inspire you and encourage you. It's never too late to transform your past and empower your future. You are listening to Flipping Dream. Hi, Flipping Dreamers. In this episode, I introduce you to Natasha Lekic. She is the founder of New York book editors, which is where I found the line and structural editor for my book. So I hope you enjoy this. This was previously recorded earlier this year in April. And I apologize, it's taken me so long to get it to you. But I hope you enjoy our conversation about the importance of editing. Hi, how are you? Good. How are you? Good. Sorry, I was missing. There was vacuuming in the hallway. And I went to ask if they could please move it somewhere else oh. <laughs> like, no at the wrong time of course of course oh my gosh <laughs> I'm just excited we finally got a, we finally did this like Me yeah too. <laughs> why I want to talk to you is like yeah. let's talk about the book let's talk about um so like first off um the full disclaimer I uh yeah had uh, hired one of your editors, Megan McKeever, to do my structural line edits. And she's amazing. Um, I got back my edits. And of course, I've been, you know, the move and everything, I haven't been able to dig in. But I read the memo, agreed with everything. I'm super excited to like dig in um, and revise. And I'm actually headed in the next two weeks to the same area where I wrote it. So I'll have all of the same inspiration and I'll just be able to really hopefully focus and just get it done. Um, because that's, I mean, okay. So like, it's one thing to write 50,000 words that may or may not like, you know, have an arc and make sense and have a good story. But it's another thing to like, go through this process of working with an editor, a really good editor, and then revising. I mean, like, the, I can see now why people don't put books out for a year or two or more, because it is a process. And this is only the first round of edits. Like this isn't even, so I want to hear about your background, how you came to start New York book editors and, um, and just like, yeah, how the importance of editing in this process and having, finding a really good editor that you can trust. Okay. So tell me about you. So uh, let me just ask quickly if, if um, during this interview, I can also discuss your book and ask you questions. Sure, uh, sure. Yes. Okay. Also, can, it was off the table. Okay. Yes, no, 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 that's fine. And also, um, how do you pronounce your last name? Is it Lekic? Le uh, it's Lekic. So Lekic. it's Natasha Lekic. Yeah. It accents on both names. It's nice. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. 
Um, I'm originally from Serbia, so I just get lazy about how to add that special character and I don't do it. So yeah, but nice. Natasha Lekich, yeah. Nice, okay. Um, so how did I get started? Well, I don't know where to begin. I suppose just sort of quickly, I, um, in my family, it's sort of, we're Eastern European. It's very similar to Asian culture in terms of, you know, the arts are not, <laughs> how do I put this, um, that respected. I, you know, it's, if you, if you want to study the arts, that's a hobby. Um, that's not a job that doesn't, you know, help you survive in the world. Right, right. So that was, those were the values I had growing up. And, um, and I loved, I loved books more than anything. I happened to be a jack of all trades. It sounds like you are too. So I was good at math and all those other things, but, but, you know, my heart was really with literature. Um, but I did always see that as, as a hobby, you know, I, I really took that to heart where, um, reading and writing um, were just something that you you kind of did in your spare time and it wasn't serious mm -hmm. but um but my mate i majored in economics and english so i sort of added that quickly <laughs> before my parents like yes my parents understood that i had a double major but that wasn't taken seriously right that that latter bit um and i didn't either take it seriously so I started off at an investment bank, um, a really prestigious one because of the econ side and, and was at utterly miserable. Um, I left. But of course your parents are proud. <laughs> oh my gosh. They were like, you know, this is what we've been waiting for, the pinnacle of achievement for our child. You know, it was, it was just, um, yeah, it was. I, and, and seeing their happiness made it all the more difficult for me to say, I'm, I'm leaving, I'm not staying here. Uh, it was the first time I'd sort of defied them. It's not really defiance, but it felt like it. Sure, sure. Um, Which I think is an important part of growing up. Like, I think at some point we have to do that. We need to strike out on our own. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, that entire time I had thought, you know, they probably know best. What do I know? I'm 18 years old, 19 years old. I don't know anything about the real world. Um, but yeah, being out there, I, I just, I knew I couldn't stay in that industry. So what made it worse was that I actually, so I didn't have citizenship. So I needed visas for whatever job. And, you know, everyone was obviously in my family acutely aware of this. It, it made it a, a much larger decision than it may be for American citizens. Sure. Um, but I just couldn't. I did it anyway. I ended up um, also working in advertising for a stint, which sort of felt progressively like I was, you know, you deal with words, but there's an income <laughs> involved. Um, and, and that didn't really do it for me. So ultimately I, I found a job in, in book publishing. Um, first interning for a while where my salary was a Metro card. So my parents were right. <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> like, 
you know, I won't say that. Um, yes, the salaries were very, very different. Uh, luckily, I had had that banking job earlier, so I could I could live on very little um, from that. But but it felt like I was finally in the right place, which meant everything. Um, and and that also came from the people around me. You know, it felt very much like home. They were also obsessed with books and it really didn't matter how much money we were making because we had free books. <laughs> that's, you know, um, that's, that's for the commodity. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what we valued. Um, so I worked at Europa Editions, which um, does literary fiction, mostly works in translation. And then after that, I went to Atlas and Co, which does literary nonfiction. So I've kind of been on both sides. Um, and and the, in, I think, 2012, I started NY Book Editors at, at the beginning of 2013. Um, but there came a time at Atlas where I saw what was happening in the self-publishing space. And I felt like um, it was a great option for authors. It was becoming a viable option. And having worked in publishing, I saw what a tremendous difference editing makes. Uh, I hadn't known that you can't really, I mean, you, you experienced it recently. So that gave you probably a better understanding of, of what editing really is. Yeah. Um, and I couldn't have known it before, before being in the industry and, and seeing um, how it works. I also, I, I, I love if I can interrupt for a second, I love um, on your website when you talk about how like even Hemingway had an editor, like people have this idea or this myth, I guess that like, if you are meant to be a writer, then you're brilliant right out the gate. And every word you write is like gold and, <laughs> and yeah. it's going to be perfect, which really isn't the reality. There are amazing writers that do need editors. Like it, it's a partnership. I'm so glad you said that because I believed in that myth. And there's, you know, there's a reason for that myth. It's not, um, it's, so historically, publishers have really downplayed the role of editors hmm. because that's what the public wants. It's, it's kind of, you know, like a, like a song artist as well. Uh, you, the public want, the reader wants to believe that this just sprang out of the author's head whole and complete and, you know, resonating in that perfect way that it does. Yes. You don't want to acknowledge all the messiness and, and the support that happened in between. It just doesn't feel as pure. Mm. So, um, so yeah, that's, that's what I, I believed in that myth too, until, until I saw, um, you know, the role that editors play. Um, and yeah, I just felt like that was needed in self-publishing. So I don't know if you remember in the early days, um, a lot of people sort of frowned upon self-publishing as, oh, it's just something, you know, vanity, like together. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's, there's nothing substantial there. Um, and I believe that obviously self-publishing authors need the same level of support as published authors in-house. So I really wanted to bring that to the space. I love that. And I do think there's, um, I've, I've bought into that myth too of, um, you, unless you're published by a big publishing house, you're not really a writer. 
you know? (laughs) And, and that's something that I'm starting to see. I mean, I love that the space is growing, but I also, it is uh, relatively concerning that so many people can self-publish without having this process. And that was one of the things that, um, it is, you know, I wanted to, to kind of dig into the importance of it. And, you know, it is something that, you know, when you're self-publishing, you're putting up most of the money yourself for these, these things. And so you might think, oh, well, then I, I can skimp on these areas. This is definitely not an area to skimp on. I think this is, this is an area to really invest in because you're investing in really bringing out the best in your story and the best in your work. Right. And I think part of the misconception is that some self-publishing authors believe that editing is actually copy editing, which is cleaning up grammar, um, cleaning up inconsistencies. So I think that's why they believe that it can be skipped maybe with a friend looking over it or them self-editing, they'll catch the grammar errors. Mm-hmm. Um, but developmental editing, as you know, is, is very different. It's about character arc and the structure of the narrative and voice and tone, and clarity and pacing and so many things, whatever the manuscript happens to need, but it, it's usually deep structural work. Um, and then it goes from there in line editing as far as clarity and flow. So um, I think there's a lot there that some authors are unaware they can get help with. Yeah. And I have to say, um, your process at New York Book Editors is really easy. I mean, I was, you know, the it was just very kind and very easy. Um, I was, you know, matched with Megan. It was like, you know, did the trial edit, had the phone call with her. I felt really confident that she would give me the feedback I needed to hear. Um, not just be like, oh, it's nice, you know, <laughs> I like your character, but no, really be like honest with me in a way that's constructive, where I can really like move forward and continue to like hone this vision that I have. Um, and then everything was just handled. I mean, it was just super easy payments, email, sending the manuscript back and forth. I mean, it just, I really felt, uh, I don't know, I just, I hadn't really, I've never gone through this process before. So this was really cool. I, I think it's a great resource. I'm so happy to hear that. Uh, I'm so happy to hear when, when, when every, that everything flows smoothly, especially because, you know, there's a lot to, I think, the background. Uh, there's a lot happening in the background. And, and it starts with, I think the biggest part for us is vetting the editors. So it starts with having a really strong team in place. Um, sure. And as you mentioned, you know, getting, not getting an edit that is just patting you on the back and giving you flattery because that's, that's really not going to move the manuscript forward. No. Um, and I think our, our vetting process, I, I, I feel like it's, it's very stringent. So um, editors can't apply. They need to be recommended mm-hmm. um, by other editors that we know or um, people in the industry because we found over the years that there's a big difference between people who are recommended versus apply. If you're working in an office with colleagues for years, you know who the A players are. <laughs> um, it's just obvious to you. So that, that helped us, I think. Um, and also editors have to have at least four years of in-house experience, usually at one of the major publishers. Um, 
a lot of them have over 10 years. Uh, but those four years, this also happened early on um, when I started NY Book Editors. I didn't know these things. I didn't know sort of where to set the bar. And so we worked with, with editors who were earlier on in their tenure. And there was a big difference, Heather. Um, you know, to have the biggest difference is the ability to really align with what the author's intentions are and not to impose your own ideas, but first to really assimilate what they're trying to do and be able to advise them in that capacity. Um, sure. And that means downplaying your ego, which I think comes with time, you know? Absolutely. With the experience of doing it over and over and, and just being exposed to the number of manuscripts that you would get exposed to. It's key. Right. It's really an apprenticeship career path. There's no way that, you know, it can be taught in, in, taught in college. It's really about, yeah, being exposure. Which I wonder if that's where some of the negative um, bias towards editors comes from as well as like that editors are going to, you know, be mean and cruel and they're going to tell you they hate what you've done and why have you written this and whatever. And so I feel like there's also that like as authors, you're afraid to sh expose yourself to that sort of level of criticism because it might make you not want to continue. <laughs> it might be a horrible experience. Whereas I think, you know, that's a lot of ego, right? So if you have an editor that has a lot of experience, they are going to come at it from a whole different perspective and be like on, like, I really feel like Megan was, is on my team. She's going to give me the hard truth, but she's on my team. She wants me to succeed and she understands my goals and she understands like what I'm trying to do. Right. And that's so precious. Yeah. Um, I will say though, just to be completely honest, um, that some authors experience when they first read the memo, we started calling it a radioactive memo. My friend Nathan. <laughs> Bransford came up with this term um, because it can be hard to take even if you know even if it's a great editor and it's constructive criticism and you feel like they're on your side it's just sometimes overwhelming to hear that there's all this work ahead of you when you felt like you were probably close to the finish line or closer yes <laughs> um, yeah I think expectations are everything right and yeah I definitely well, you know, it took, Megan actually returned a little bit quicker, but it was like a month process for getting the edit. Um, and in that time, I wouldn't let myself touch the manuscript. I wouldn't let my, you know, I just was like, okay, I'm going to go do, you know, all the million other things that I have to do. And, um, and then when I came back to it and I read the memo, it was just like, yeah, you have that moment of like, oh yeah, I had this, you know, like for me, it was like, Yes, those are things that I questioned too. <sighs> okay, yes, okay. I knew that there were these moments, there are these areas that I needed to finesse, there are these like develop, you know, characters I need to develop a little bit more. And it's like, oh, God, really? Because it is a long process. I've just spent three months writing. Um, and now I'm like, you know, and I want to get it published. So, uh, but I think I definitely came in with the expectation that there was work to be done. And I think the thing that I really, that resonated with me was just that 
nothing that she said in that memo was off base. Like nothing she said was out of left field where I was like, oh, heck no. Like, where is she, what is she talking about? Everything was like a gut. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, and I think that that that's good because I know that after kind of thinking through, and then I've been pondering as I've been moving and doing all this stuff in the back of my mind, I've been running through these, okay, well, where could I go with this character? Or what is their story going to develop or what, how am I going to show these things? And, um, and I'm starting to see, oh, it's going to make the story like really cool. Like it's going to actually fill it out and make it this like great reading. You know, I want, this is for the reader. I want the reader to be flipping pages and be like in love with the whole story. So it's not really about me. I mean, yeah, I have the idea, but it's really, I want to create this experience. So that's kind of what I've been leaning into, but I, but for sure, like, I think that comes over time and I think it comes, um, you know, I, I've definitely, sorry, I'm like rambling on and on here, no, but no, like, no, I love this. I'm thinking I, I need to share this with, with our authors. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in my forties. Um, I went through ma master's work. I've done a lot of writing and different things. I've had enough criticisms over my life that I feel like, and as an artist, that once you get to like a certain level of comfort with yourself, I think you just kind of are like, yeah, I'm not perfect. Like, it's okay. Like, it's still a great idea. I still, my words are important. The things I'm doing are important. They're not going to be perfect. And sure, if I find the right person, I think I was just most concerned with is that um, I, I'm curious with how you do vet, like how you match the authors with the editors, because that was my biggest concern with Megan. I was just like, here, I'm, it's my first time writing in this genre. I have an idea of what I want it to be because of the books that I read. And I have like examples in my mind and I'm also, but I'm also trying to kind of change a template in a certain way. I'm trying to challenge some of the usual templates in this genre. So like, I wanted to make sure that I had someone that understood that and was going to really give, you know, help me break into this the best way possible. Right. Yeah. The, the matching process. So the, the key, a lot of, we do obviously take genre into account. Um, that's, that's definitely part of it. But a bigger part of it really is most of our editors we've worked with for five years. So by now we know them really well. You know, um, we know what kind of manuscripts they gravitate towards. When it comes to you know voice or or even when it comes to the author's stage of development all these factors we just we know them well and so we'll really when we read a submission and i should say we don't work with with all of the authors who submit their work that was another question for me if you ever get work where you're like you need to this needs to be a little bit more developed we definitely do that. We do that quite a lot. And we get all kinds of responses um, about it. I mean, you know, and it's similar to, to how you, you know, whether you, you um, how you sort of accept an editorial memo. Um, it's some authors get upset about it, but others are really appreciative because we're not saying, we're saying, you know, you, you can do a lot more on your own here are some books on craft that you should read before investing and engaging a professional editor. It just doesn't make sense for you right now. 
which also is wonderful because you're not going to take their money. Right. And then give them some memo that's meaningless that like, yeah. where you're like, Oh, go back to the drawing board, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Thank you very much. <laughs> here are some very, yeah, because it would be here's some very basic, right. Uh, very basic feedback on writing, which you can really get in, in any book. Um, yeah. It, for me, it's really having NYBE has really been, it's really not, the money is never the priority. It's really, do we think that we can make a difference here? Can we do something for this author? If we can't, then we let them know. And we also let them know sometimes authors are ready, but we don't have the right match in an editor. And we let them know that as well. So just to go back to the matching process, a really big part of it is usually we'll read a submission and one editor will jump out. Um, on our team, we'll think, okay, this is really perfect for so-and-so. Really 80% of the time that happens. Um, and we'll, our process is such that the editor needs to be enthusiastic about the work. That's a key part of having a great edit. Um, so all of our editors, you know, um, they have busy schedules. They know that you know, it's, they know that we encourage them to pass if they don't, if the work doesn't resonate with them. Um, this is just the kind of relationship that, that we have with them. And so really they only accept um, the, the manuscripts that they feel, you know, connected to. That's um, important. That's, yeah. that's great. So I think, yeah, that's, I think that, that's, that's also the key part. Um, so how many editors are in your bullpen? <laughs> 34, 34, 34. Okay. Okay. Um, and, uh, I don't know if you have statistics on, on like how many of your editors have worked on, um, I mean, books that inevitably were published or were bestsellers or like what, I don't know. Oh, I mean, in-house or as later on? Um, well, maybe in-house all of them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, obviously, but also all of them have, you know, award-winning books or best-selling books um, in some category. Um, so, uh, but yeah, go ahead. Oh, okay. So I have a question like, um, so once I'm done, I actually haven't had my call with Megan yet. I've, I've postponed it because of my move and I want to like dig into my revisions a little bit before I have the call with her because I might have more questions and I want to make it meaning, you know, worthwhile. Yeah. Um, but then after that, you're going to love the call by the way. Yeah. I'm, it's, yeah it's, it's always, yeah. It's kind of a big part of the edit. Oh yeah. I, I am really excited. Um, so yeah. in the next like week or two, that's going to happen. And then, um, well, based on her schedule, hopefully. And then, um, and then as far as that, like, I feel like what kind of relationship can I expect moving forward? Like, so, um, this, I did all of this to sort of prepare either to self-publish or to co-publish mm -hmm. and to submit it to like, you know, Kohler books or something like that. Um, af at like, at what point, do we, do we still maintain some sort of contact? Like I want, I want her, you know, obviously uh, once my book is published, I want to be thanking her. I want to, you know, I want her part of this, you know, team 
Heather. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. So it, 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 you know, it really depends on, on what you feel like you need. So if you obviously, as you go along, if you, with your revision, if you have other questions, um, you know, that you need to clarify, you, you know, you can reach out to her. Um, if you feel like you need another pass later on, you know, she'll be, we, we want all to stay with the same editor if everything is going well because obviously you're you're following her advice and so she has um you have that relationship and um and she's following your progress you're 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 going along with her feedback um so yeah it, you know in all these ways it really it's really up to you how much more um support you want or need and then, yeah, so I think, I think, um, you know, I'll be talking with Megan and hopefully getting a little bit of insight into like, you know, once I'm done with the revision and like what next steps will be. And if I, at that point in time, I submit it to co-publishing or if I just, if I'm going to do it all myself, then yeah, I'll probably hire, you know, have her do another pass or do go move towards copy edits and all mm -hmm. the other things. But um, yeah, I'm excited. This is like. Yeah. It's like the baby. Okay. So you think you, you think you birthed the baby once you've written the thing, but you yeah. haven't, you haven't, yeah. you're just, yeah. it's like, <laughs> well, I think Pixar calls it an ugly baby at that point. <laughs> it's definitely an ugly baby. <laughs> <laughs> and that's normal. That's, I mean, that's, that's always the case. Yeah. As we, as we touched upon earlier, it never comes out perfect even for really, really experienced and prolific authors, it takes work to get there. Yeah. Have you, have you noticed that like during this whole, during the pandemic over the last year, like publishing has definitely gone up and people are buying and reading more books, which is awesome, which I think is yeah. amazing. Have you um, had, yeah. Have you had found an increase in submissions for work and that sort of thing on your end? Yes. So there was, there was definitely an increase. I would say, you know, when, when most of the country was locked down, what was it? Uh, Mid-March, April. Um, in that period, I would think probably six months following that there was an increase. Um, it's now returned to normal, I think. Okay. Yeah as people get back to their usual with the kids in school and I don't know what yeah so I don't know I think initially there's this probably there's just oh, okay we, we we're not going anywhere um and we have a lot more time to write and I don't know now I think yeah maybe it's normalizing interesting well do you have any advice for listeners who are like considering, you know, starting to, maybe they have a manuscript already, or maybe they have one in their minds that they're, <laughs> they like to start writing. Um, do you have any tips or pointers for like finding an editor or going through this process? Yeah. Um, I would say when it comes to finding an editor, definitely make sure that they have a background in the industry um, I would say at least four years, um, make sure that 
they, as we mentioned, they're, they, your work resonates with them. So definitely have a conversation, try to have something like a trial edit before deciding to move forward with them. Um, these things are really key when it comes to, you know, everything can sound good and, and the resume can look good, but seeing their, their changes to your work can usually trigger something. Okay, this is, this is the right person or, you know, I, I, it's, it's just not a good fit for me. Um, so I'd, I'd highly encourage people to go through that before jumping in um, to a full edit. Um, other than that, yeah, and, and having the conversation is also important because you need to gauge their enthusiasm for your work and see if, if, they, if they really understand where, where you're trying to go with it. Um, that I definitely picked up on from my first call after the trial edit with Megan. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I felt like she was really interested. Um, and she was still taking me on, even though she was really busy. (laughs) So, so that was good. Well, I would also say that's key. You, you want to hire an editor who's really busy. Um, because just like you said, it means that they're, that they, they really want to work with you. Um, because in the freelancing world, sometimes, you know, maybe some editors have an empty schedule. And so it's, you know, it's more likely that, that they'll just kind of make it work. Um, and that's not what you want. So I, I would, yeah, I would say if, if an editor is busy, it's a good sign um, that, that they're, you know, they're, they're being selective. Um, and that's so important. I can't stress how, how important that is that you're working with someone who, you know, who shares your vision. Yeah, for sure. That's so awesome. Okay. So, um, since we're doing this, uh, you know, I'll have this on YouTube, but I'm for the podcast listeners, uh, I want to share, they, they can find you and your amazing team of editors, at newyorkbookeditors.com. Is that right? Yes. Okay. Yep. Okay. Um, yeah. And it's very, it's very painless. You just sign up uh, for a trial, uh, submit a portion of your manuscript. I can't remember how much. I think it was just like so many words or a chapter. I can't remember. Yeah. 10 pages, basically. Yeah. In 10 pages, they will judge you. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> literary agents that's how they and that's how readers also decide whether they're going to keep reading the book or or buy it that you know? is true and the first set of pages are usually the most polished so there's a lot that can be gleaned from that that is true that is true when I go through bookstores it's my favorite thing to do is like uh, it's cover it's title and then that draws me in and then I flip to the back and then I flip you know first chapter, read a little bit as this, does this resonate? Do I like the voice, the style? Yeah. Yeah. And you know, right away. Oh yes. Mm-hmm. I'm getting this one. Or, okay. I'll put the, that one down. Yep. Yep. Maybe not, maybe, or maybe not right now or whatever. Yeah, yeah. totally. Totally. Yeah. So uh, anyway, yes, you, you submit your 10 beautifully <laughs> beautiful pages of your manuscript <laughs> and and then they match you up with um hopefully if they can match you up with an editor and then you um 
it, all of this is done by email. It was really seamless. It was like, you know, you pick a calendar appointment and you uh, have your call with the editor after they've reviewed your manuscript and then they return it to you with line edits and just um, gives you kind of a sense of what it's going to be like moving forward. Um, and then you decide at that point if you want to continue. Um, and yeah, it's all very kind and just it's yeah. I, I'm just, I applaud your service. I think it's great. I think that, because that was one of the things too, that I was like, I want to write this book. I want it to be great. How am I going to find an editor? Like just Googling, like, <laughs> so yeah. I actually found your link through Ingram Spark. Oh, but, really? Okay. Yes. You know. yeah. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, we, we do partner with them. Uh, well, they, they recommend us. And I think, I think they recommend a couple of other people as well. Um, okay. That's good. I always like hearing how people, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, do you have any other questions for me? <laughs> uh, yeah. So do you, is there, is there a reason that, that you decided to go with self-publishing or co-publishing? Um, I think probably just because I wanted to make sure that it came out relatively soon. And, uh, I went through, so I, I pitched a nonfiction book last year and went through the process of trying to find agents. Um, and one of the agents who returned back to me was like, I'm really interested in your idea. Um, but you need to build up your marketing presence. Um, mm -hmm. And I feel like a lot of publishing, you know, unless you're really big and you have a huge following, uh, they're not, or you're recommended by someone who has a big following, you're probably not going to be, your first book out of the gate is probably not going to happen <laughs> that way. And so, um, yeah, sorry. Platform is so important for nonfiction. Yeah. I hope, yeah. Not to deter novelists. So for nonfiction in particular, it's, it's very important. Yeah. 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 So that was, so I was like, okay, well, um, I'll work on, you know, building this thing and then COVID happened and I created a teachable course. And then now I have a podcast and, and now I'm traveling across the country doing travel logs. I don't know. So like I've, my creative wheel has gone a whole. And then I, I finally was like, well, the reason I'm doing the nonfiction is because I want to establish a publishing uh, reputation so that I can write the novels I want to write, which is the series, this romance love story series and then I was like well why don't I just write the thing I want to write so that's what I did but <laughs> oh that's so interesting yeah how did you come to that realization well okay so I was in Texas um over the at the end of the year and it was like okay I'm in a camper I can't see my family I'm not I don't want to go back to Alabama to my house because it's cold and I'd be alone and then I thought okay so we're gonna winter in Texas cool and then I was like on the Texas wine trail in the hill country. And I was like, all of a sudden the story, the romance, because I've always been, I start writing different versions, iterations of these characters and things. And all of a sudden the whole thing came to me and I was like, oh, this is great. And also I have to research. It means I get to drink wine and <laughs> be in Texas. And so then I thought I follow um, Friends in Fiction, which is um, five bestselling some of my favorite best-selling fiction authors and um, they have this great Facebook group and they have tips and pointers every week and they interview authors. And so um, one of the things that I, they were talked about was like, 
word limit. Now I've always heard pages, but to just do like a thousand words a day. And I was like, okay, if I do a thousand words a day for three months, I'm going to have, I'm like, that's enough for a novel, right? So that's 50, 60,000 words or whatever. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to do that. And so not every day was a thousand word, but, uh, but surprisingly, a lot of days were over because I would write more than a thousand. And then right when I got to the point where I wasn't really sure where the characters were going to go, it would be like, oh, well, you don't have to, you're done for the day. And I just like, you know, <laughs> stop. <laughs> so um, that was my process. I was a pantser through this novel, which means I have a lot more editing to do, obviously, but I wrote the whole thing front to end. I just pantsed it. So wow. um, yeah, but That's I have- always impressive to me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but I had this like arc, the story in my mind and I had an idea. And, and so, yes, when I got Megan's edits back, I was prepared for some structural things where it was like, okay, because I did it that way. I just wrote it. I didn't edit. I just, every day I just wrote. So. Right. Yeah. And how, so it's a series you're planning on. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, romance does so well, as I'm sure you know, in self-publishing. So you couldn't have, I think you really couldn't have picked a better genre for self-publishing. Well, and it's the, it's the story I want to read. Like I wanted to read the romance story of someone in their forties, someone who maybe has gone through, going through a divorce uh, or life change. I wanted it to be a story where the heroine is really strong. Like she saves herself, but yet yeah. she still finds love. Like it's still sexy to be authentic and to have ownership of your life. And I feel like I, I just, I mean, I love Hallmark and I love all of that. And I, and I, you know, but I'm get so tired of the template of the woman who can't help herself and she needs to be saved by the hot hunky guy who comes in and, you know, or there's the real estate. Okay. You know, her business is failing and the guy comes in, the guy's going to buy it, but then they fall in love and they work to, you know, whatever. There's all of those templates, which are great and fun. But for me, I wanted something that resonated with my, me. Like I wanted, I don't know. I wanted a different character and I, hopefully people will want to read that. I don't know, but um, yeah. Well, that's where, that's where um, everything is trending now it's mm -hmm. it's the strong female protagonist doesn't need the man to save her that doesn't mean she doesn't want the man and right. it doesn't mean he doesn't help but ultimately she's the one who saves herself um and you know for me it's such a compared to maybe the books and the movies that we had growing up it's such a powerful message for for us and for you know the next generation it is because I feel like, you know, I grew up with the, well, you're okay, but you're going to be better once you, once you find, you know, once you're married, then, then you will finally be an adult and be real. Or once you have children and once you have the house and once you have the, there were all these kind of like paradigms that you had to fit into to, to really be self-actualized. And I feel like, um, that's not really the case, right? Like here I am, I'm living in a trailer full-time with my dog. Okay. But still <laughs> life is great. Yeah. And I still like believe in romance and love. It's just that it doesn't always look the way we think. Like, like if you, if you limit yourself to those stereotypes or those, you know, templates, then you're kind of cutting out all of these other opportunities for self-growth yeah. and for really finding like a different 
inspiring experience that is, I don't know. I just think it's, it's healthier, but yeah. And if we're not exposed to them, then we can feel, you know, many of us feel inadequate if we don't have that particular narrative. And then we look at other people and compare our life with theirs. And that's where we get into trouble because we're like, oh no, well, their life must be perfect. And hashtag their life is not perfect, right? (laughs) We're we're seeing their highlight reels maybe on social media, but they're like, we're not seeing behind the scenes. So like they may be looking at us thinking like a lot of times I'll see like couples or families. I'm like, oh gosh, it'd be so nice to be doing this, you know, with them or, you know, having a family to do this lifestyle with. And a lot of times people are looking at me going, I really wish I was alone. (laughs) (laughs) I really wish I was like, I could go travel around the country. You know, it's like the grass is always greener. And I feel like, yeah, having more of a model that's healthier where it's not so comparative, competitive, where it's more like we can all win. We can all find love. There's lots of different ways to do it. But I think the most important thing is like knowing yourself, knowing your strengths, your weaknesses and just being real. And so that's the story I'm endeavoring to tell. And I'm glad that like Megan's edits were definitely challenging me on some of those levels of like, okay, I love this, but what about, and, and I was like, okay, yeah, yeah, I need to go deeper. I need to develop this further. And so that's, that's really good. Oh, that's beautiful. I mean, I love hearing about your manuscript and, and I'm sure your listeners are now, you know, really eagerly awaiting <laughs> Well, I mean, it involves, you know, Texas, uh, Christmas time, wine, romance. I mean, you can't go wrong and an Airstream trailer. So, I mean, you cannot go wrong. (laughs) Well, you definitely know when you're launching that it has to be around Christmas, which is, um, yeah. Which Which is why, (laughs) yeah, which is another reason self-publishing. I was also worried, like, I would love to have it out in fall for Christmas, um, I, I was worried about traditional publishing tends to be a little bit longer track. So um, I was either thinking of co-publishing or self-publishing this, this one, and then seeing kind of what happens for the second, for the fast follow second and third. So. Yeah. I think that if you're, you know, if you're entertaining the idea of publishing, I think it's, it's pretty hard to, to get a publisher to sign up the second book in the series. Oh, yeah. Interesting. So, so they, yeah, they, they want the whole series. Oh. Yeah. Hmm. So maybe uh, I should consider finding an agent and doing. I mean, either way, either you think, okay, um, I'll do the self-publishing route with this entire series and do another series with a publisher, or I'll, I'll, do a traditional publishing with this series. Mm. But I think it's the hybrid that that would be challenging. That would be challenging. Yeah. See, there's so much I have to learn. And I feel like that's why I was like, okay, just focus on your revisions. Do not do anything else right now. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. We should <laughs> yeah. It's right now it's all about the story. Yeah. It's, yeah. Because it has to be the good story. Like I have to get the story down before I can like really move it forward. Of course, of course. And then there are all these other considerations. I absolutely, yeah, I agree that, you know, if, if all you're focusing that on now is the narrative, that's key. Um, and then you'll see, I think that, you know, you'll see how you feel about it once, once you have, you know, 
what seems to be a final draft, at least when it comes to, you know, potentially submitting it or self-publishing, um, you might find that, you know, you, you have a strong inclination one way or another mm. because you know what it looks like and, and you, you know, you have a certain bit, you, your vision might suddenly lock into place. Interesting. Okay. I'm excited. I'm, I'm going to uh, look forward to that moment of knowing. Of knowing, yeah. The moment of yeah, knowing. Yeah, there may there may be some uncertainty, <laughs> but but I, I feel like I feel like um, uh, usually there's especially if if you've sort of you've lived with it for so long and you know what it's it's like as it's you know reaching its sort of more final shape, um, then yeah, things things fall into place. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited. It'll be, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how this feels, which is part of why I wanted to take my listeners on this journey of like, uh, you know, we do have this mystique of like books just appear like flamingos or I don't know. They're just like, they just happen. And it's like, no, there's a lot behind the scenes, but it doesn't make it any less valuable or amazing. Like it just, there is a lot of work. And a lot of thought and a lot of care that goes into it. Let me ask you. So when you were doing your, your daily word count, um, was there a point at which you felt like, you know, you had, you had just gone off the path and you had to remove a few days work or. Um, not really. I think, um, I think on the other side of it, and I think this is what Megan caught, like the first part of the book, it was like, really, I had such a strong idea of the sense of like the pacing and the arc and what was going to happen. And then there's a part of the book where I kind of probably, it was too much. Like it was too, like it just, I was just writing, writing, writing to kind of, it was almost like, there's a lot I can take away from that part of the book and then Mm -hmm. add in other areas. So I think I think if anything, it was more like, um, my revisions are more like, yeah, removing things that are just extraneous, like too many descriptions to, to, yeah. Um, and probably diving more into the characters themselves and really enriching those areas and introducing new scenes and introducing, um, kind of showing rather than telling like you know, really showing their, their arc and their development, um, and their journeys. So. And do you feel like you have a deeper sense of, you're starting to get a deeper sense of who the characters are? Yeah, I will. And I, and I'm excited to kind of dig back in. It's also like, you know, you write what you know. And so a lot of this too, it's like some of, it was really interesting. Like some of the things that she, one thing in particular that she wrote, and I won't really go into it, but like one of the things she wrote, I was like, Oh, interesting. Like it was like, you know, you, you kind of write based on your own experiences, there's truth and fiction. And, um, and so you're kind of, I feel like, um, you're sort of working things out as you're writing, but you're working it out in these fictional characters. So it's really kind of safe, but to have someone else's perspective on the outside of that was kind of healing in a way it was like, Oh yeah, you know, she's right. But I, you know, being stuck in one character's mindset, you're like, you don't always see that outside view. And so it, it's hard to explain, but, um, but yeah, it's just, 
it's a, it's a really fascinating process. And I truly believe that whether, whatever you write, and I'm always urging people, whether it's journals or whether it's a book or whatever, that it's a, I think fiction is a great way of kind of working out some of the things, some of the areas, some of the, uh, you know, unfinished business of your life, but you get to do it through these characters or you get to create the characters that or the situations that you always wished you had. Um, and kind of live vicariously through these characters. So there's there's a lot that can happen in the world. And I feel like most authors kind of play with this. And um, and it, it's definitely, yeah, it's a really interesting process, which is why going into the revisions, I wanted to make sure I set aside the time that I set aside like I was in the same physical location. So I didn't lose that thread and that I really could immerse my, like kind of dive right back in and then just like go deeper, which is scary too. It's, it's interesting it's, that the location plays a role for you that, um, you know, and geography seems to, to be a big theme in your life right now. Um, but going back to the same yeah. space, to do something. Yeah. Yeah. I think going back to the same space and the source of inspiration, and then also seeing like I've developed or changed even over the last five months. So, um, it's almost like passing that on to my characters and, and having them go deeper into their own journeys. Yeah. I don't know. It's going to, it's, it's a really interesting process and I'm really, I'm excited to see what comes out. I honestly don't know what's going to happen. I'm going to just write and let them, I, I feel like a lot of times they sort of develop themselves. Um, I'm kind of interested. I have no idea. I'm just going to start writing and see, especially the male character. I'm like, I don't really know, but I, I'm going to learn more about him. And like, so it's going to be fun to see what, what things happen. Oh, great. I love hearing that. Um, <laughs> and it was, it's generally fun for you to write, right? It's, it's an outlet. It is. I love writing. Yeah. Yeah. Is that something I'm sorry, because I've, I've talked to, to authors who have different perspectives on this recently. Is that, is it your goal to be a full-time writer? Yeah. And I definitely do. That would be, the dream would be to, to write multiple books and maybe even do some nonfiction and to travel. You know, a lot of my travels around the country, I'm archiving through the podcast and through video blog, but, and through a written blog, but, um, that would be really cool to maybe put into some sort of a really interesting uh, book, <laughs> something down the road. So um, yeah. I yeah. think Megan made, uh, brought up a good point when she said that, you know, from a marketing perspective, um, it's really powerful to be, to have the book, to have the location matter so much in the book. Um, and maybe that could be, you know, an idea behind your series where it's, it's takes place in all these different locations it does because really yeah because the main the main character in this book it's on the texas wine trail but then her sister is in the northwest and so I'm, when i'm up in the northwest i'm actually already wanting to start the sequel and so i'll be working on that development when i'm up in the northwest and getting kind of like breathing that in and so definitely it's going to be very mobile and ge geographically um, specific and, 
And I also want to uh, use part of the promotional marketing campaign is that I'm going to be in a trailer going around to indie bookstores and whatever and doing this book tour by trailer. So, yeah. Oh, that's perfect. That's perfect, Heather. I'm so excited to see how all this works out, you know? Thank you. Follow your journey. Yeah. Yes. Well, I will definitely keep you posted. Um, and uh, yeah, and uh, I'm, I'm just so thankful for what you do. And like, thank you again for cultivating such wonderful people, such editors that help us to, you know, bring our babies into the world fully <laughs> and beautifully. Oh, that means a lot. Thanks so much, Heather. I'm going to save this interview to myself. <laughs> good, good. Yes. Absolutely. Um, no, it, I mean, I, I, I feel really, really lucky um, with the team that, that we have and also honestly really lucky to work with authors like you and, and, and all the authors we work with. It's just, um, as I mentioned, you know, early on in my career, being in publishing felt more like home. This is exactly the same. Working with authors is so wonderful. It's, there's a certain type of person who you know, sits down and, and writes and, um, and it's, it's just, uh, it's a privilege to be able to, to work with, with authors day in and day out, really. Oh, that's so awesome. And it shows like it definitely, um, I'm sure that the experience would be much different if it weren't that way for you too. I mean, it's like, it's coming, it's throughout your whole company. I feel like everyone has this vibe and, um, and so I'm really, I'm really grateful. I'm excited that you're joining me on this early stages of this, my first book publishing journey, and we'll see what happens. Like by the end of the year, it's going to be really fun to see. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really, really excited. And I hope, um, I hope you'll come once we have your full arc as an author, I hope you'll come on my channel so that I can interview you about, about that. Absolutely. I would love it. That would be wonderful. Thank you so much, Heather. Thank you so much. Have a beautiful day and uh, we'll be in touch. (laughs) Yes, definitely. Okay. Bye. Thank you for listening to Flipping Dreams. Please be sure to follow us on all of our social media at Flipping Dreams or at Heather Renee May. And please check out our website and sign up for our email list where you will get notifications on our weekly podcast and blog posts, as well as our monthly newsletter and much more. Be the first to know, sign up today. Thank you again, and we will see you next week here on Flipping Dreams.